Hi, welcome back to the show, Talking Your Way to Change. This is your host, Sam Banker. This episode is entitled COVID and Kids, Needs, Decisions, and Beliefs. What are our kids learning from us and what can we learn from them? It seems likely that social scientists will study this generation of children today to better understand how pandemics impact their development in the United States and globally. COVID-19 has upended societies and dramatically altered everyday life across the globe. But what do kids know about coronavirus? Well, let's ask some. Hi, welcome to the show. Would you be willing to tell uh, the listeners anything about yourself, your name maybe, or how old you are? Sure. My name's Marianne. Um, um, I am eight years old, and I like basketball and dance. Great, thanks. So the first question that we're asking our our interviewees is, what do you know about the coronavirus? Uh, I know that it came from this place called China, and... Um, it's not good for you. Hi, welcome to the show. Do you want to introduce yourself and say how old you are? Sure, I'm Lily and I'm 15. Great. So our first question that we have for folks is, what do you know about the coronavirus? Um, I know it's a virus that came about in 2019 um, that has caused a lot of drastic, drastic changes to the way we live our lives now. Um, it's kind of an ever-changing evolution of what's going to happen in this world. The question that we ask everyone is, what do you know about the coronavirus? Uh, well, uh, do you want symptoms, or do you want where it came from, origins, or just anything? Anything, anything that comes to mind. Okay. Um, I know it originated in China. I, I, I don't remember quite where. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Uh, I know it originated in China. Uh, I'm, I don't blame it on the Chinese. So. <laughs> uh, I know it's. It was. I know it is a primarily respiratory disease, or at least I'm pretty sure it is. I'm, I'm not a disease expert. Uh, it. I know some of the symptoms are, of course, coughing, sneezing, you know, flu-like symptoms. Uh, it's. In- Great. First question: What do you know about the coronavirus? Well, I know that the coronavirus is a lung infection that can infect your lungs. It can be deadly to some people, and um, it is very serious when you have it. And um, it jumps from people to people, and it's just dangerous and deadly. So, yeah. Sarah, what do you know about the coronavirus? Well, I know that it hurts a lot of people, and if you don't stay six feet, it will hurt people. It will possibly kill them if you don't take care of yourself, and yeah. As a psychologist, I am curious about not only why people do what they do, 
but also the ramifications of these behaviors, we are living with a great deal of uncertainty and inescapable threat, which leads us to anxiety, exhaustion, and our health suffers. What I want to do is empower people to move beyond fear into what I call managed concern and to have more clarity in their decision-making. Why is it so confusing? Everyone's family circumstances are unique, so looking at what might be good for your neighbor might not be good for you. Our government bodies struggle to regulate what our public health agencies recommend on both state and federal levels. For example, the CDC states everyone should wear a cloth face covering when they go into public. The governments have been slow or they refuse to exercise their authority to regulate this behavior. We are all making up our own rules. Confusing. And the virus is confusing. It is dynamic and ever-changing. Research is uncovering the new effects every day, whether it leaves no symptoms, moderate or severe needing hospitalization, some needing ventilators, and death for some. Now the latest is that a fraction of patients who have recovered from COVID-19 have neurological problems. We really have little data on how this virus impacts our children. In order to promote more clarity over the things that we can control, I came up with this three-part strategic framework. One, identify needs. Two, make informed decisions. And three, acknowledge that our decisions stem from our beliefs that we have about ourselves in the world and that the decisions that we make will shape our children's beliefs about themselves and others. If you ask them directly about their needs, decision-making, and belief, they will have no idea what you're talking about. But one thing is for sure, they are watching us and the world struggle. What do you think about the messaging that you hear, like from adults or from news? What, how, how are you following that? And how is that impacting you? Um, I think the messaging kind of creates a lot of uncertainty because of the constant changing that's always happening because um, the research, there's always new research every day and everybody has a different idea on how to handle it and what's the best idea. So it's kind of like a matter of trying to filter what you believe and what you don't believe. Is there anything that really scares you the most? Um, I have, like, concern for, like, family members who are taking more risks now than they were in March and maybe are taking the whole COVID-19 thing less seriously or, you know, are kind of, like, over it and moving on, like, you know, COVID's not a big deal anymore. Anything about it in particular that worries you in terms of your own health? Um really what's worrying about it isn't like i i personally think if i were to get it i'd be okay but uh it, it would it would be it would not be fun but i would be fine personally what i'm most worried about is getting it and then infecting others because uh oh this is what i want to say uh the the virus has i think it's an incubation period is what it's called basically you're infectious before any symptoms show up I believe it's like you're I believe the maximum time before symptoms start showing up where you're contagious is about two weeks and you're you can spread it before you even know you have it. 
So, it's a bit scary. Let's break down the three parts of my proposed strategic framework, needs, decisions, and beliefs. Step one, assess what your children's developmental needs are, as well as your own, and your marriage or partnerships. Also, don't forget about other social relationships, such as extended family, friends, and local communities. Children need to be physically safe and need to enjoy their lives and form constructive social relationships. Our children need to learn and acquire skills necessary to be functioning adults, and we need to earn a living. We need to protect ourselves and our children. We also have mental health needs due to feelings of isolation and cabin fever, and possibly the loss of our self-identity. Perhaps most importantly, we need to accept that we will not meet all of these needs every day. We are living in a pandemic. We do not have the luxury of meeting competing needs on the same day. It will be hard for them as it is hard for us. Accept it. Move towards helping them build resilience. Let's hear from kids what is most difficult for them. What did you miss most about long distance or distance learning? I don't know. I miss most just like in normal school, hugging my teachers and my old teachers every single day. And now I'm like, I hug a banana every day. Like, it's different. What what aspects of it are difficult? Um, I think since a lot of kids like to hug and hold hands, I think since me and my my friend and I, we like to hang out together, and I think it's very tempting for us. Every once in a while, we get very, very, very tempted to touch each other and be able to touch again. And so sometimes when we watch stuff, little videos and clips that we made, it gets very disappointing for us to see that we were touching back then. And now that we're in COVID times, we can't exactly do that, which I think is very difficult for the both of us. Yeah, it sounds like not being able to touch, you know, other kids is hard because I suppose that at your age, you're kind of always really active and kind mm-hmm. of bumping into each other or hugging. or Yeah, because I know at school, whenever we'd go out to recess, we would always like touch and get really close. And um, sometimes I would hug friends before I went inside for recess and it's just really hard not to be able to do that, especially with best friends. What do you think has been most challenging um, for you about the pandemic? I think personally, it's just the, like the separation I've, I've been facing from pretty much uh, other people. Like I'm not a very social person, but even still, I do want to talk to people. I do want to interact with people. It's not, it, I'm not, I don't like completely cutting myself off, but I, I, it's, it's been tough. I've only really been able to hear from a few people outside of direct family. Uh, yeah.
Second, we want to make decisions based on our needs assessment and information that we gather based in science about the pandemic. Good sources of information might be public radio or newspapers, newspapers of record in your city, um, the Centers for Disease and Control, your family physician. Here is a decision-making process that you can use. One, identify the problem, gather information that you can about the problem, then think about some solutions. It's best if you have just a few. Then you want to identify possible consequences of each solution, make a choice, then take an action, and then evaluate the outcome. Finally, as parents, we need to make the best decisions we can with what we know. And as we gain more knowledge, we may make different decisions. There's nothing inherently wrong with changing our minds. Sometimes we will make decisions and have to live with an uncertain amount of risk and develop a tolerance for uncertainty. Third, lastly, it's key that we have an awareness that how we prioritize our needs and make decisions stem from our values and beliefs, and that these will ultimately contribute to the solidification of your children's beliefs about themselves, others, and the world. I'm just going to give one example. This pandemic is demonstrating how much we are interconnected to others on this planet, whether through the contagion aspects or material goods or food supplies. How aware we are of this may vary, and we may respond to this in a way that is guided by our values. We may tend towards favoring more collective strategies and or more individualistic strategies. Whether or not you're conscious of your beliefs about dependency and freedom, they are likely to inform your decisions. Despite where you fall on this continuum, these are all teachable moments and give us great opportunities to shape the beliefs of our children. Dr. Daniel Siegel, child psychiatrist and guru in interpersonal neurobiology, suggests that we can help our kids during COVID times by one, labeling your feelings. If you name it, you can tame it. Two, acknowledge what you can and cannot control. Three, make a plan. Four, do something fun. In the show notes, I'll leave an episode in this episode, I'll leave a link for his famous brain in the palm of the hand demonstration that is amazingly simple yet profound. It helps us understand how our brains work when we lose it. It could be one of the most informative YouTube videos that you can watch. He calls it flipping your lid. And we all know that parents flip their lids. We lose it. We hit a breaking point and decide at some random time to start yelling at our kids about something. Here's a typical example. I come into some consciousness of my child and I go find them in the house. Yep, they're on electronic of some kind. I become flooded with automatic thoughts such as, I'm the worst parent in the world. If I was a better parent, my child would be reading a book, carving a beautiful pencil out of a tree branch, or producing a puppet show. And then I tell them to get off their electronics and go outside and play. Using your hand, Dr. Siegel will 
show you a representation of our brain, and it will demonstrate to you how our midbrains, where our safety radar, fight or flight, anger, fear, will hijack us, and we will lose our ability to have empathy, reason, and calm ourselves. It's such an effective way to talk to kids and help them understand without shame that we do flip our lids. And when we do flip our lids, we all need a timeout. And if we can't get one and we do or say things that we regret, we can go back and apologize for our behavior. So I will leave this episode with some suggestions and final words from our interviewees. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Dr. Banker. Since I'm a a therapist and um, I often help people cope with their emotions, I was wondering if you had any advice for other kids who are struggling with anxiety about the pandemic or they're mad about something. Um, Oh, boy. Um, Personally, I have to say, look on the bright side. We've... This pandemic's been exposing a lot of problems we have, and we can then use those, and then we can then look at those problems and say, yeah, this isn't the best, and we can fix these problems. So in the end, I think we're going to come out of this a lot better than we went into it, hopefully. That's my hope. Uh, Also, uh, this isn't like a broader thing to think about, but this is just something little thing I've heard of that actually can help you when you're just really, like, you're really mad or you've got a lot of anxiety. Uh, and please tell me if this actually works, uh, if you know. Uh, I've heard that if you, if you're, that you can, if you start, like, just pointing out all the minute things around you that you wouldn't normally notice, like, like, uh, the individual blades of grass or, like, if you try and just look around and take in everything that your senses can take in, it actually, your ba- your brain will basically stop, I guess, processing, processing the thing that was, uh, that was creating the emotion, that was creating the anxiety and the anger. It'll start focusing on. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't. I think one of the, yeah. So I would say that that reminds me of techniques used in, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy where you use distraction to cope with the negative emotions so say i'm really angry and i want to distract myself from that i'm going to use my senses my hearing my sight smell smell my taste and i'm going to try to distract myself from that those awful feelings or thoughts and bring myself over into a more um, calm yes yes Okay. Using my yeah, that's awesome. That's an yeah. awesome it, it, example it, yeah. of coping skills that kids yeah. can use. I, it, it won't really help long term, but if, if you're if it'll help in the moments. Yes. Because here's the thing: what we're trying to do, and adults are trying to do this too, is like we're just trying to regulate our emotions. Exactly. Right. And so sometimes, you know, in pandemics, the usual things that people use to cope. Really, you really can't do. It might, yeah, you can't do it, or you need new ones. So yeah, exactly. For giving yeah. our listeners that you can't really go talk to friends. You can't really, yeah. It, there's not much you can. There a lot of things that. What has surprised you the most about your ability to cope, or positives that have come from this? 
There's been a lot of new opportunities, like I've started riding horses and there's so many, it's a lot easier to take classes now because, you know, I took a leadership class online and, you know, I did all of my driver's ed online as well, so it's, it's made it simpler to, like, take classes because there's no longer the travel to a location that has to be done. Miriam, let's talk about lunch. Okay. So when you went to distance learning, how did you feel about not having the school lunch? That was really weird. I liked most of the lunch there. It was different. Our pizza that we make here is all crusty and gross and soggy. And then that pizza is delicious because it has cheese-stuffed crust. Who made your lunches at home? First my mom did, and then I learned how to actually make food. Oh, what did you learn how to make? A peanut butter jelly sandwich, and sometimes I learned how to make, um, sometimes I make my brother food because he's lazy. So I make him like macaroni and cheese. I'm like, make your own food. But I'm a nice person, so I make him food. So it sounds like you developed some new skills, some new culinary yeah. cooking skills. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for listening. I need to alert you that this podcast is not meant to be a substitution for mental health treatment. Although we talk about psychotherapy, this is not your psychotherapy. If listeners are interested in pursuing therapy, I would refer you to psychologytoday.com backslash US or your insurance carrier network. Okay, thanks again. Until next time. I can't be happy. I can't be happy unless everyone loves me. I need to be happy all of the time.